All right. Hey, friends. I hope all is well out there. Um, I heard that a ton of you already met up with your community groups through Zoom, and that's so cool. So pumped about that. And uh, I heard someone say the other day, you know, that COVID-19 might actually set off the biggest house church movement in history. And I thought, you know, that's a pretty cool thought. Um, there's no telling what God could be doing through this. Uh, so keep uh, keep meeting with your groups. Uh, keep getting connected. And if, if you haven't found a group yet, um, reach out. Uh, just email me, bsherman at firstwoodway.org, and uh, I'll connect you with the group. Um, also, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I, I'm honestly just curious to hear how you guys are all coping, uh, living quarantined and um, are in shelter, uh, wherever you're at. And just uh, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any needs. Uh, we want to we wanna be there for you guys. Um, so I was just talking with my community group the other day, and I was sharing about how it's honestly really hard balancing work and home life and devotion life. And I've really been struggling to find my rhythm. And I started talking to some other leaders and they mentioned kind of the same feeling. And, you know, we're just kind of in this really chaotic moment. We're trying to struggle, like we're struggling to find a handle exactly on what we should be doing. And it just feels like all the rhythms that we once had have now been thrown out. Uh, so maybe, maybe you're in that boat. Maybe it feels like before the pandemic, you had a rhythm and you had a way of living that seemed to get you in the direction that you wanted to go, but now things seem to look different. Now you kind of go into bed at night wondering, what am I doing? What are we doing? You know, and, and just kind of wondering where purpose is in your life. Uh, so today, um, I want to look briefly at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can get there um, or check on your phone. Um, but here we go. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So, all right, this passage is placed within a larger argument that Paul's making to the church in Corinth. And basically, Paul's telling them this is where the argument's at. Basically, before this, Paul was telling them that he has a right as an apostle to receive funds for sharing the gospel. He has a right to receive money for sharing the gospel. However, he's been willing to give up that right. He hasn't asked for any money from the church in Corinth because he doesn't want to be a hindrance to the gospel. So what he's trying to do is he's driving home this point right now that he has. And uh, what he's saying is even if you have rights, sometimes you give up those rights for the sake of the gospel. So even though Paul had this apostolic right that he could receive money for preaching the gospel, he's saying, even though I, I, I have that right, I give it up because I want the gospel to spread among you. And you know, that's actually, that's actually a really good point for us to think about is right now we're in this spot where we have all this kinds of freedom. Like we have so many rights, like we could do literally whatever we want. All we have to do is show up maybe for your classes online. You have to get that thing turned in. Uh, you just have to appear like you're working enough during this time. And so you have all this freedom and you have a blank canvas about you and you have all these things that you could do. You have that freedom. 
But the question is, should we be willing to give something up for the sake of the gospel? Should we be willing to do that? See, Paul thinks that we should be able to do that, that we should be able to, as Christians, give up our rights just because that's what we do as Christians. We die to ourselves. We give up our rights for the sake of the gospel. It's not that we don't have rights. We have them. We just give them up. And he launches in this great illustration to explain it. And it's basically where he says, you know, well, in a way, we're, we're in a race and we're all runners, but only certain runners get the prize. And he says, so we should be like the runners that want the prize. And the runners that want the prize are the ones that go into strict training to win the prize. Meaning the things that we're going to do day in and day out should be leading us to become more like Jesus. So our lives should be lives that are lived for the sake of the gospel. Meaning like we go into strict training, so we're willing to give up anything and take on anything in order uh, to spread the gospel. So here's, here's a kind of my starting question. What does your strict training look like? Uh, what, what's your strict training look like that Paul's talking about for your walk with Jesus? What does it look like? Where are you denying yourself rights so you can become more like Jesus? All right. If we're honest, I think a lot of us just kind of live each day wondering exactly what we should be doing. Uh, we kind of just go wherever each whim or emotion takes us. And then at the end of the day, we're wondering, why did that feel so purposeless? So if that sounds like you, if it sounds like, yeah, I don't have any strict training in my life, I don't have any structure to where I'm going, I want to introduce you to a spiritual practice that I think could be really beneficial for this time, uh, this time that's kind of nebulous and ethereal, and we're trying to figure out where we should be, what we should be doing, and all of our rhythms are up in the air. I think a good practice would be something called a rule of life. Uh, so a rule of life, um, what is it? It's pretty much what it sounds like. It's, uh, a defined set of rules, uh, rhythms, boundaries that you put in your life so you can grow in your love of God and neighbor. Um, Pete Scazzaro, he put it this way. He said, a rule of life very simply is an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. I'm going to read that again because he says it better than I do. A rule of life, very simply, is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. All right. So, actually, the rule of life has lots of its tradition in the monastic tradition. So, uh, you might have heard of Augustine or um, Benedict, right? And, and so, the Benedictine... Uh, monks and the Augustinian monks, and they had this rule of life that they would live to. So if you join their order, you would live according to that rule of life. And so what, so what we're talking about for you is that you develop your own personal rule of life for the place that you live and the way that you go about things, uh, that you develop an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything you do. And this is usually kept by adhering to several rules. It actually makes sense if you think about it, right? Like, so if you're going to bake something, then you follow the rules or the recipe, right? Like you follow the rules and you, so you can get that thing that you're trying to bake. If you're going to build something, then you want to follow the blueprint to get that thing you're trying to build. Or using Paul's illustration, if you want to win, win the race, then you should train like you want to win the race, right? Um, so how can rules in your life grow something? Well, they, they really can't. Um, 
rules don't actually grow anything. Uh, Margaret Guther, uh, she's this author, and she describes a good rule of life being like a trellis. Uh, so if you don't know what a trellis is, a trellis is uh, kind of a structure that would support uh, the growth of like grapes and other vines that are fruit bearing that need something to climb on. And so um, she would say a, a good rule of life is like a trellis. So a good rule of life doesn't produce the love of God and neighbor in you, but it supports it, right? It's like any other spiritual discipline. Like it doesn't, it doesn't actually produce life in you. It's not good in itself, but it sets you up to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, so all this being said, no rule of life is going to be the same. She writes this. Um, she says, like the vines, we too need to be supported, but not constricted, held, but not rendered immobile. What this basically means is um, some of you, I might pitch this rule of life to you today and I say, I might say, hey, here are these 10 things that I think you should live your life by. And you might read those 10 things and think that is way too easy. Or you might think that's way too hard. And the point is, everyone's rule of life is going to be different. Um, so a rule of life that I would have lived by in college probably wouldn't benefit me now that I have two kids. Does that make sense? So like when I was in college, um, a good rhythm for me would be to be like, all right, I'm going to go to bed every night at midnight. And then uh, by midnight, and I'm going to wake up by 8 a.m. Uh, that would be awful for me. Uh, one, because uh, my kids get up at six in the morning, right? <laughs> and so uh, that would immediately backfire. And so I'd either would be sleeping in or I'd be staying up too late and it just wouldn't work for me. And so the point is, is that uh, wherever you are, your rule of life is going to be different. And so as I'm sharing what I think a good rule of life is, you might be hearing things and be like, that's not strict enough. Like, great, you can change it. Or you're like, that's too easy. Okay, change it. Just make sure that whatever rule you're putting in your life, it's an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything you do. Okay? So, how do you make a rule of life? Well, first, I kind of want to go back to the scripture. So, in verse 26, Paul's saying, you know, so I go into strict training and all this stuff, and he says this, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Basically, what Paul's saying here is he doesn't train in vain. So if he's going to run, if, if he's going to run, he's going to run with purpose. If he's going to fight, he's not going to fight like a boxer beating the air. He's going to fight, right? And so um, I think the first thing we need to do is look at the things that we're doing that are aimless, the things in our life that are beating the air. Um, so... What I would say is first take inventory of the rules that you currently have in your life. Now, you might think right now, like, okay, but I don't have any rules I'm living by. This is the first time I've heard about this. I don't have a rule of life that I live by, but you do. We all do. We might not call them rules, um, but they're habits and they're rhythms that we commit to every single day. So um, here's the low-hanging fruit that I always, I always pull out. What is the first thing you do every single morning? Most of you, you silence the alarm on your phone. And then do you leave your phone there? No, you pull out your phone and you start to scroll through your phone. You go to Instagram, you go to all these places. First thing that so many of us do 
is that we check our phone every single morning. And it's like a rule of life for us, right? It's like every single morning, no matter what, I'm going to check my phone. Um, others of you, like it's like every single night, whenever you're done with the day, like what do you do? You just veg out in front of the TV and like no matter what happens, that will happen. Um, and that's like, that looks like a rule. And so what I'm saying is do this. If someone could um, step back and watch your life, what would they write down as your rule of life? Like just observing you from afar, what would they guess? Like, oh, I guess he put these rules in place for his life. Um, And once you do that, honestly, what I would do is I would take those rules and ask yourself whether or not they're leading you towards God. Because some of you do have good rules, right? Like some of you are like, every morning at this time, I read scripture. And that's great. Um, So, but go through all of the rules that you see in your life, the good and the bad that you live by, and ask yourself if they all lead you towards God. If not, which ones do you need to get rid of? and put new rules in place to combat the old, okay? So um, I kind of worked on uh, just seven, seven rules for you guys. And you might hear these and be like, those are too easy, those might be too hard. That's okay, I'm just kind of giving you ideas. And I got most of these from a book uh, by Justin Whitmore Early called The Common Rule. It's a fantastic book, I highly recommend it. Um, but let's check this out. So first rule, scripture before phone. So I got this one out of the common rule. Good book. Scripture before phone. It's basically what it sounds like. Whenever you wake up in the morning, you have an uns- you have a rule that no matter what, you're going to check scripture before you check your phone. Okay? Um, because so many of us, the, our first devotion of the day is looking at our phone, which is an awful thought. But we're going we're gonna to turn that on its head during this crazy season that we're in. And we're going to say, you know what? Actually, first thing I do in the morning is not going to be reading on Twitter or Instagram about what coronavirus is doing. The first thing I'm going to do that's going to shape my worldview is going to be reading scripture. Uh, Justin Whitmore early writes this. He says, daily immersion in the scriptures resists the anxiety of emails, the anger of news, and the envy of social media. Instead, it forms us daily in our true identity as children of the king dearly loved. So good. So let scripture form your perspective for the day. Okay. Like start there. Let that be your starting place, not your phone. So rule number one, scripture before phone. Rule number two, I'm just saying, give something away. I think whenever we're quarantined, it's going to be really easy to just become self-serving and turn inward on ourselves. And I just want to suggest maybe, um, you should start every day maybe after your quiet time, and just write down one thing that you're going to give away. One way that you're going to bless somebody that day. Um, and it could look different for different people. A lot of you, it's just going to be calling somebody you know that needs a phone call. Calling your roommate, uh, calling your grandmother. And just call them and see what they need. Maybe it's doing dishes. Maybe it's doing housework. Uh, maybe it's serving your parents in a way that you've never served them. Uh, just find a way to bless people wherever you are. Wherever you're quarantined, wherever you're in shelter, find a way to bless the people around you. So number one, scripture before phone. Number two, give something away. Number three, this is another one that kind of came from the common rule, and it's kneeling prayer three times a day. And this one, honestly, for me, has probably been one of the most helpful ones that I have in my life. Um, I'm not the best at it, but whenever I am committing to it, 
it does just it just centers me upon what God's doing. Um, so you have to, we have to have a habit and a rhythm of prayer in our days if we're going to be focused and concentrated on what God's doing in our life. Um, so have kneeling prayer three times a day. You don't have to kneel. Um, you could just open your hands. Um, I don't know, lay face down. Just do something to stop and get your body involved into the prayer. Like you don't need to be sitting there doing dishes and be like, okay, I'm doing my three times a day prayer. That's good. You should pray while you do the dishes, but you need to have a moment where you stop at least three times a day and get on your knees and hear from God. Uh, this next one I saw on an Insta story uh, from a pastor, John Mark Comer, and I thought that's a really good one. And it's not very spiritual, but number four is a strict bedtime and wake up time. Um, I know it doesn't sound very spiritual, but so many of us, our sleep rhythms are so off that we're not even fully there during the day. You know who you are. And uh, we need to be people that whenever we, like whenever you open the scripture, whenever you get down to pray, whenever you try to serve and bless those people around you, you need to be fully there. So get some sleep. Um, this is the one time where you actually can get your sleep. So get your sleep. It would be a shame for, for us to lose every day because it doesn't have an established beginning and end. Um, and that is the temptation is that like, like I said earlier, it's kind of like just this nebulous thing. Like, like the other day I was asking Carol, like, what day is it? You know, like it, it's just, it can get really blurry during this time and it can feel like a holiday, but it's not a holiday. <laughs> We're not on holiday. Um, God's still at work. And so I would just recommend, it's a very practical thing, but a strict bedtime and wake up time, um, because for me, that sets the rhythm of my day. For me, that makes sure I'm, I'm kneeling in prayer three times a day. I'm reading scripture when I should be reading scripture. And again, uh, so the next one, number five, doesn't sound very spiritual, but daily exercise. On the surface, this doesn't seem very spiritual, um, but it really is. In 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 19 through 20, that passage is a lot about sexual morality and all that stuff. But the main argument that Paul's making theologically is that our bodies matter to God. Like what you do with your body matters and that God has a purpose for your body. And so be a good steward of it. Um, exercise. I'm not saying you have to get jacked. Some of you will. That's great. I can't do it, but get jacked. I don't know. But just be a good steward of your body. Treat it well. Um, taking care of your body can help you mentally. Like so many different things. All this is to say, make it a daily rhythm to go for a walk, hike, run, just get off the couch. Um, just don't sit around. Be a good steward of your body. Uh, next one, limit your screen time to blank. Um, I will let you decide that, but limit your screen time. I was thinking about Job, and Job had this uh, line that he made about lust and he's, he was telling God, he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes, right? He says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. What if that took on a new meaning for us? <laughs> like it's insane how many hours we spend a day looking at our TVs and our computers and our phones. And, um, I just think that maybe we should be careful about how much we're taking in. Um, because we're, we're taking in uh, just so much content and so much information and it's shaping us in profound ways. And I think that we need to stop and limit our screen time, um, especially right now. So in that book, The Common Rule, one of the rules 
is one hour with your phone off. And that rule has been really helpful for me. Um, but right now I feel like I need to do more than that. Like I need to overhaul all of my screen consumption. Um, and the thing is, whenever you decrease the amount of time you look at a screen, you're actually, you're actually increasing the potential time you have to focus on God. So limit your screen time uh, to whatever you want. I, I don't know what, what's good for you, but limit it. Last one, gather weekly. Um, this goes without saying that you should obey the CDC guidelines. Right now we can't be in a lot of groups. Um, but just make sure that you're reaching out to a community. Uh, make sure that uh, you're connecting with somebody. It might be virtually. Uh, connect with one of our community groups. They're all meeting on Zoom. You know, Hebrews 10 verse 25 warns us to never neglect meeting together, but instead to gather and encourage one another. So just don't isolate yourself. This is the one time where it's so tempting to isolate yourself. Some of you have gone home, you're back with your parents, and maybe you feel like you're just going to turn off from everything, turn off from all the relationships you had. Don't do it. Don't do it. Commit to community. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Okay. All right. So thanks for listening to that long list. Um, again, there's nothing, nothing particularly sacred about that list that I just gave you. It's just an idea. It's just something that maybe you can work with. And so as you're kind of going off in your groups, um, if you are in a group, if not find a group, but a lot of you are listening to this in your groups. And this is what I recommend you do. Um, Maybe uh, begin with talking about that bad rule of life, you know, where you are right now. Like first take inventory of where you are right now and maybe talk about it as a group. Like, you know, this is something I see that I do every day and it kind of looks like a rule of life. Um, and talk about those things. And then spend some time talking about what rules you'd like to adopt in your life. And then maybe throughout this week you can develop your own and then share it with someone in your group and have them hold you accountable to it. Um, and guys, you know, have a lot of grace with this. Like, this is only a good thing. This shouldn't be um, some kind of strict thing because we're making it up, right? This is just the trellis. It's not the fruit. Uh, this is just the structure, right? It's not the life. And so um, have fun with this. You know, I hope this is beneficial to you. It's really beneficial to me. Um, but define a structure in your life that you're going to live by. Some rules, some boundaries, some rhythms. And then watch how God moves freely there. I'm praying that this will be a good thing for you. Um, before I go, I just kind of want to give you a preview into next week. At least we're planning on it. Um, just because I think right now, some weeks I think there might be something crazy in the news and I might want to respond to it to all you guys. Um, but next week the plan is that uh, I'm going to have uh, two of our students on here. And I'm going to interview them about Beach Reach and hear about what that was like. And we're going to talk about what evangelism can even look like right now during quarantine when we can't see people. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I love you guys. Um, I hate that I'm not, I'm not with you right now. Um, I love y'all. You know, one of the passages that I was thinking about, I shared with the staff today is from first Thessalonians. And the story of first Thessalonians is that, Paul had been shepherding them and taking care of them for a while, uh, but then Paul had to leave and he couldn't make his way back. And he'd been worried about how they were doing without him. 
and uh, he heard back from Timothy that the church in Thessalonica had flourished. And that's really my prayer for you guys. I was telling our staff, I was like, man, it can kind of get nerve wracking feeling like we're not with our people. What are they doing? How are they doing? We're not hearing from them. And um, we can just trust God that um, he's going to work in your life. And I I pray that it'll be kind of like that. Like y'all come back, hopefully this next semester, and we just hear how you've just flourished during this time. So I'm hoping that this rule of life uh, will be another tool in your toolbox to help you flourish. And um, we'll be back next week. Uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Send me an email or shoot me a text, um, but email is probably best. B. Sherman at firstwoodway.org. Love you guys. Stay safe.